You know it's Friday because it's Options Action Time. Here's what's coming up on The Big Show. As the saying goes, home is where the heart is. Now Carter Wirt thinks home is where the money is. He'll help you refresh your holdings with a coat of paint. Then, Boeing. Setbacks at every turn, with no clear air to be seen. But Tony Zhang has a way to pilot you through. Plus, hold the phone, literally. After a huge run, Apple and other tech giants are on deck to report in the busiest week of earnings season. Afraid computers might crash? Your helpful IT guy, Mike Coe, has some patches for your portfolio. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. And let's get right to it. Despite the weak sell-off in the market, one group of stocks managed to lay down some strong foundations for a rally. The ITB Home Construction ETF managed to rally 4% this week. And Carter says there is one name in that that would make for a particularly sturdy trade. <laughs> so, Carter, what's the name? All right, it's Sherwin-Williams, and we'll look at a couple charts. But this has all, you heard from Bodwin earlier, and we've discussed this on other uh, shows. It's, it's the rate environment. It's the one area within consumer discretion uh, that is holding up so well and, and yet not extended and not overbought. So a lot of characteristics that make this desirable. Let's look at a few tables and charts. The first is, talking about Sherwin-Williams, uh, this is one of the best performing stocks in the market regardless of its line of business. So here you're looking at a comparative chart uh, going back to the beginning of date in 1985, Sherwin versus the S&P. You're talking about a six-fold increase over the general market. Now take a look at the next chart if I introduce the NASDAQ 100. Now we know these are the, this is Apple, right, Microsoft. Sherwin is even beating the NASDAQ 100 uh, by a, a healthy margin. In fact, Take a look at the next slide. This is a simple table. If one were to have been so lucky as to put $10,000 in Sherwin back in 1985, that is now $1.3 million or thereabouts versus $850 for the NASDAQ, and then you'd be at a paltry, so to speak, $168,000 in the S&P. In any event, home builders act well, and Sherwin is the best performer long term. It's not a home builder, but that's the key, right? It doesn't have the cyclicality. So the fourth chart is taking a look at ITB year to date versus the market. And we know that the market is essentially unch, plus or minus, depending on your date. Now we're down 1%. But home builders as a group are up uh, 10%. So Sherwin, which again is, it's like Home Depot in, in a way, it's, it's, it's tied to home builders but it's better than home builders. So here's one way to draw the, the lines. It's a textbook conventional buy juncture, a convention generally agreed upon. A stock that's at well-defined tops that's breaking out is a stock to be bought. You can see the authority of the 600 level. Sherwin has already started to poke up above that level. We like it a lot. And finally, the same chart really, but just drawing the trend line in effect since the March low. So whether you call it ascending triangle or wedge or uh, what have you, it doesn't matter. What it is is it's a breakout from a well-defined formation, and there's every indication uh, that it is headed higher. Earnings next week, we like it a lot. That is pound the table from Carter Worth, Mike Coe. So what's the trade here? 
Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, sometimes you will see charts where basically stocks are going from the lower left to the upper right, and it's largely a technical pattern, and we have a hard time justifying it from a fundamental standpoint. That's not actually the case here. Sherman Williams is basically one of the better and more consistent growers of earnings per share. And as an example of that, I would just say, look back 10 years, you know, this company was earning about $4 per share at the time. And for the last 12 months, reported with the last uh, reported quarter, we're looking at about $20 per share. So that's a five-fold increase in earnings. Right now, it's trading at about 20 ti 28 times earnings, forward earnings, that is. And that doesn't seem terribly unreasonable given that growth. But the stock has had a very strong run. So one of the things we might look to do is make a bullish bet using options so that if it gives some of that back, we're not going to take all of the same risk. Also, at $620 a share or thereabouts, this is a very expensive stock. So some market participants might be reluctant to go out and buy 100 shares of it, which is going to set you back about $62,000. Right now, the options market's implying about a 3.7% move on earnings when they report next week. Usually when we're looking at the charts that uh, Carter sets up for us, we're looking with a slightly longer time horizon. So I was actually looking out to September. You could buy the 620 680 call spread, spending $26 for those 620s and selling the 680s against it for 6 for a net price of $20 per share. That's uh, obviously considerably less than the current share price. And here's something I would just quickly point out, that the month following earnings, the stock has typically moved 5.5%. The September options obviously expire considerably further beyond that. And at $20 that we're spending for this option spread, we're really spending, you know, give or take about 3% or a little bit more of the current stock price to put this trade on. So I think it sets up as a good risk reward into a known catalyst in a stock it obviously has some good fundamental reasons propelling its strength, but that has already made a pretty good move to the upside. Tony, do you like this trade? Do you like the, the story of Sherwin-Williams? Yeah, I particularly like this trade for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you look at the underlying stock, not only is housing, which Carter pointed out, one of the strongest sectors and I think one of the brightest, brighter spots for Q3, but Sherman Williams is also part of the materials sector, which Carter laid out a pretty nice thesis last week for the potential breakout here on XLB. So you have both XLB and ITB about to break out to the upside. And if you look at the chart of Sherman Williams, very constructive chart, breaking out above that $600 level, looking like it's consolidated and potentially moving higher. And I specifically like Mike's trade structure here because a debit vertical spread that he's using right now is a very efficient way to take a bullish view here with a very small amount of risk. He's only risking 3% of the underlying stock price. Even if this stock misses on earnings and it reverses lower, you're only risking 3% of the underlying stock price. Mike, I know you're going out to September, but a lot can happen between now and December, particularly during a pandemic. And so I'm wondering, you know, in, in that time frame, are there certain events that you're looking at thinking, oh, that might be um, a, a catalyst either to the upside or to the downside for Sherwin? Yeah, so, I mean, there's obviously we have the earnings catalyst, as you point out. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of right. economic data that follows. And then, of course, we have the issues that are going to be driving the market more broadly. But another thing I would quickly point out, too, is that it is not uncommon to see upticks in volatility as the summer draws to a close going into September. You'll notice that that's when my expiration is. So this isn't really a play to the end of the year, so much as recognizing that we've seen a really big decrease in volatility in the market and in implied volatility. And it seems now kind of the same thing I was saying last week, that it might be a better time to be a net buyer premium than a seller of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, there is uh, one group of stocks that was hit particularly hard this week. It's been turbulent for the airlines, those stocks following the broader market lower. That's t uh, and that's got Tony betting against the one big aircraft supplier as the skies look cloudy ahead. So, Tony, what's the name? What's the trade? 
Yeah, so I wanted to take a look at Boeing because I think there are a lot of elements here at play going into earnings next week. But I think that the risks here are skewed to the downside. First of all, if we look at the 737 MAX recertification, at this point it looks like it's very looking unlikely that that's going to happen in 2020. And if you look at Boeing's order book, 13% of that order book has already been canceled in 2020. And I don't see that trend reversing anytime soon. Given the outlook that our airlines have been giving us every single day, giving us fairly negative guidance, it seems like every single week you're getting worse and worse guidance for 2020 and looking out to 2021 and the next three to four years. So for those reasons, I'm not particularly constructive on Boeing going into earnings. If you look at estimate revisions, they also are pretty poor going into earnings. So you couple that with the chart. It's very hard to make a bullish case here for this particular chart. You have a major resistance level at 185, which Boeing has failed to get above. And then if you look at the relative performance to its sector, it's really starting to consider to underperform here over the past few weeks. So you couple the estimate revisions with the underperformance we're seeing against the sector. Those are really typically the things I look for for a potential miss here on earnings. So if we look at the options here, they are implying a big move here, about 8.7% versus the average of only about 2.9% over the last four quarters. So options are implying a big move to the downside, but options implied volatilities here are very elevated. So the option structure I'm looking to do here is actually to sell premium. And I'm going out to the August 28th weekly options and I'm selling the 180, 195 call spread. I'm collecting about $14.5 for the 180 calls and I'm paying about $9.10 for the 195s. Net net here, I'm, paying, I'm collecting about $5.45, which is about 36% of the width here, but the spread here is about $5 out of the money. So it's a nice collection that I'm making here on this particular trade. And my break-even price is just above 185. So I'm expecting the Boeing to guide down and potentially trade lower here on earnings and collect this credit on this credit spread. Mike, do you like this trade? I do like the trade. I would make one quick point about how much the stock has historically moved on earnings. You know, since the, you know, we've looked at everything that's happened, they've taken on a decent amount of debt. And of course, the equity market capitalization is lower. The net effect of that increase in debt and the lower market cap is that you would anticipate to see higher volatility. All of that said, I, I agree with pretty much everything that Tony said here. I mean, it is hard to imagine exactly how all the clouds are going to be lifted for Boeing, you know, in the short term. And, you know, let's bear in mind that the valuation of the company is not far off where it was about two years ago, two years ago when they had a 5,000 deep order book and everything looked brilliant for them going forward. It's a very different picture right now. So when you look at it that way and you say, okay, well, would I buy it at this valuation or would I have bought it at that one, knowing, you know, what we do and what we did? Uh, it's kind of hard to see why you'd be a big buyer of it here. I think at about 22 times earnings at best, it's uh, probably fairly valued, and, and the options are quite expensive, as, as Tony pointed out. Carter, how does that chart look? Well, I mean, the word ominous sort of comes to mind. <laughs> uh, it is hovering ominously at well-defined uh, intermediate lows, and the presumption is it's going to break those lows. I think the thing that's so important here about this great winner, and I say that because Boeing is one of the great commercial franchises ever to open its doors, after dropping from its peak, it lost 80% of its value. This is a $450 stock that touched 80 on the pandemic low. Essentially, it looked about like a Sherwin, outperforming the market by uh, many turns, and this plunge, news related or not, pandemic or not, basically wiped out all of its 
relative performance of the S&P since inception. And now it's just a gambling chip. To be $80 in the March low, to go as high as 235 in June, now back to 173, I think it's going to break, and I think it's going to break hard. Well, all the relative gains over the S&P 500 since inception, that's amazing. Given back. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you are there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, Professor Mike Coe plays the role of insurance salesman and shows you how to protect yourself in what could be a hazard-fraught busiest week of earnings season. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Take a look at a big tech getting wrecked this week. Tesla, Facebook, Apple, all facing big losses as investors rotate out of the space with only Amazon escaping in the green. And if you're one of the many folks out there who are in these names, you may be wondering, how can I protect myself from further downside? Well, lucky for you, the professor is in. Mike Coe is here with a call to action. Mike, take it away. Yeah, so this is pretty extraordinary, of course, what we've seen so far this year. Uh, the tech indices are up about 50% off of their lows. Some of the most broadly held stocks, obviously, are one of the big reasons why that might be true. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, now that we've seen these gains, how can I hedge my exposure? Uh, so the first thing you need to do is identify a decent proxy to use for a portfolio, because a lot of the biggest stocks that we have in there, chances are you don't own a round lot. That means you don't own 100 shares of it if you have sort of an average size portfolio. And then finally, of course, we need to size the trade. So let's try to work through an example together. Let's imagine that you have $100,000 in your account and a number of the most commonly held stocks represent that 100000 a couple shares of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Netflix, Tesla, things like that. These are the stocks that the top 10 of which in the NASDAQ 100 composite index represent about 57% of the weight. So we could use QQQ, which is the ETF that tracks that index. So how much do you need to buy? Well, all you need to do is you take the $100,000 of overall exposure that you have, divide it by the share price of QQQ. I'm simplifying it here and just assuming it's about $250. That works out to 400 shares of QQQ is roughly equivalent to your $100,000 portfolio of tech stocks. Since each option represents 100 shares, that means you would need four options to hedge if you were going to use QQQ options. And as an example, I was looking at the September 240 strike puts. Those would cost about $6.50 per contract. You multiply that by the 400 or so, that's going to get you to about $2,600 in premium. That's how much you would be spending to protect your $100,000 tech portfolio. And again, I'm just going to make the point that everybody already knows, but it bears repeating. You know, these biggest stocks have had quite extraordinary runs here. And, of course, they are a big part of the reason why the index has gone up as far and as fast as it has. And if they reverse, we saw some signs, some cracks that something like that could happen this week, they will also be the same ones that will drag it lower. And, of course, owning options on each of those stocks individually could be quite expensive. But this is a cheaper way to basically take a look at your overall risk and hedge it going out to September. Tony, is this how you would hedge? Yeah, so we actually hosted an education event last night specifically on this strategy. And one of the things that we, and I think this is firstly a, t a timely time to talk about this because 
we surveyed over 500 retail investors last night. How many people felt that the markets were going to be lower one month from today? Outpaced the number of investors that thought the markets were going to be higher one month from today, almost five to one. So a lot of retail investors feel that a downturn is about to come. And I think Mike did a really good job laying out how to buy some protection and how to choose a proxy for your protection. So the one thing that I think I want to add to that is around timing. Because, in, because statistically, markets only move more than 5% lower in a month, typically only about 12% of the time. So probability is not quite in your favor. So we always advocate when times are like this, when things are starting to turn around but not quite uh, getting ugly yet, it's time to sell cover calls. This way you can generate a little bit of premium that can be used to buy these puts or put spreads as Mike laid out. And the other thing that we also look at as an indicator for timing a particular hedge is actually VIX futures. We look at when VIX futures goes into backwardation, when the front month VIX futures is elevated or higher than the three month VIX futures, that is usually a good sign that markets are stressed and it's potentially time to put on a hedge. I know the viewers out there are avid uh, fans of Fast Money as well as Options Action, Carter. Uh, so they probably caught your segment about the, uh, the tech stocks flashing warning signs. But in a, in a nutshell, Carter, it doesn't look good for some of these big cap tech stocks. Well, in the sense that you have the, the dual circumstance of being extended, overbought, crowded, uh, hysterical in many ways. And then you have now the facts coming out, so to speak. I mean, Microsoft's uh, earnings, whether you say they're good or bad, there is no such thing as a good or bad earnings report. There's only an earnings report, and it's how the market reacts, right? So did the stock go down? It did. Uh, Facebook. Netflix, uh, the, 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 well, look at Intel. Uh, the point is, is that we are getting fundamental information from stocks that have the precondition of being very extended, price for perfection. And for the most part, AMD was good, of course, but for the most part, the risk is to the downside. Up next, we are looking back on two of our open trades. Our traders will tell you what they're doing next with them. Stick around. More options actions coming up. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Cohen Carter said we were living in a material world. We are toying with the prospects of an important breakout type move to new highs. That is not the case for financials or energy um, or industrials. They are not at 52-week highs and they are not in this position. When you're looking at trying to play for new breakouts in the index itself, you can keep the trade really simple. I was just looking out, in fact, to the September 62 calls. When I was looking at these earlier today, they were about $2.25. So when we think about that, that's you know, a relatively small percentage of how much XLB costs at this point. And that's really the key right here. Well, gold crossed above $1,900 an ounce today. Miners a chunk of XLB. So Carter and Mike, what are you doing with this? Carter, we'll start off with you. What, what, what does this chart look like? Sure. I mean, I think the key here is in a very uh, sort of sloppy week for the market, albeit market only down 30 basis points. Materials were up and it is tied to a handful of names. But what we do know is what you just said, of course, is that precious metals uh, this week, silver had it, its fourth biggest two day move ever going back the history of the data. And gold, of course, just crossed over $1,900 an ounce. Uh, I think there's more to come and one wants to be long here versus not. Mike? 
Yeah, I think we stay with this trade. I mean, we were able to get these calls relatively cheaply. They're slightly higher now. We're not risking a great deal if things turn against us, but this is the one space that definitely, as we've been beating the drum on repeatedly, seems to have some strength, so I'd stay with it. All right. Meantime, Tony said Opportunity was calling in T-Mobile. As we stare down 35 million unemployed people in this country, I think what we're going to see is a lot more price sensitivity to your wireless carrier going forward. And this is something that T-Mobile is not shy about going after both AT&T and Verizon customers and competing with them based on price alone. I'm going out to the August 7th, September 105-110 call diagonal where I'm buying the September 105 calls for about $6.15 and I'm selling the August 7th 110 calls against that for about $1.92. Well, Tony, this is doing exactly what you wanted it to. So what do you do now? Yeah, so at this point, we're still holding on to this call diagonal, as you said. As, as long as T-Mobile stays around this particular price, especially below 110 before that August 7th expiration, I'm looking for that call option to roll off and then potentially sell another one going forward and holding on to that September 105 call going uh, and potentially rolling that higher if, stock, if the stock continues to move higher. Okay. Up next, we've got some tweets that we'll answer and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. We've got time for a tweet. Our viewer asks, has, uh, our viewer has a 150-170 bullish call spread on Roku expiring August 20th. He asks, any thoughts? Tony, any thoughts? Yeah, so I, I quite like Roku here. I think the chart is fairly constructive. It's found a breakout above 150. It's consolidating there. If you're bullish, Roku reports earnings here on August 5th. I would hold on to a call vertical like this going through earnings. Yeah. Carter, what do you think of Tony's chart work? Well, well that's exactly right. And uh, two things we know. In a, a week where this is the kind of stock that might have gone down substantially with other names of its ilk, it held in very well. There is a well-defined level from which the stock can break out here. So a conventional buy juncture, uh, buy. All right. It is time now for the final call, the last word from the options pits. Uh, Tony, what do you say? Gray skies ahead for Boeing. Sell a call credit spread. Carter Braxton Worth. Sherwin-Williams, I think it's a great way to play the housing theme. It's a stock that's at a conventional buy juncture. The 600 level has authority. Up and out from here. Mike Coe. So I like call spreads to play Sherwin-Williams into earnings for a stock that's obviously rallied quite sharply off the bottom. And for those of you who have really benefited from this strong rally we've seen in the tech names, maybe now you can consider hedging by September puts and cues. That does it for us. Summer school's in session.